Are you looking for experts and tools to collect research data worldwide? Global sampling, field management, and data collection are just some of the services that Gazelle Global provides. Visit gazelleglobal.com to learn more about how our expertise can help you unearth quality data that drives meaningful insights. Get your research done anywhere around the world quickly and efficiently. Visit gazelleglobal.com today. Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I am not your host, Priscilla McKinney. <laughs> I am, in fact, Leighton Cordell. And I am here to pretend to be host so I can talk to Priscilla McKinney as a guest. Hello. I'm so glad to be on your podcast. <laughs> Welcome. This I've wanted to talk part... to you for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the part where I also remind people that Leighton not only composed played on the ukulele, but whistled to our theme music. So Leighton Cordell, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Some of you probably already know this, but for anyone who doesn't, Priscilla has written and is in the process of editing her first book. As a child, I always wanted to be a writer and I just thought this moment would never come. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> it's very exciting. What is the title for anyone who doesn't know? It is collaboration is the new competition, and people have heard me say that forever and ever, but this subtitle is why the future of work rewards a cross-pollinating hive mind and mm. how not to get left behind. So it's very much um, a tactical book and fits into my mindset and, and my worldview probably of, of business and how I see people struggle and fail and maybe what they could shift a little bit in order to get better traction on their ideas and their company and even on organizational goals. And is that, that's the main thrust behind why you decided to write it? Yeah. I decided to write it really because I almost can't not write it, I guess. Mm. <laughs> I keep talking about it to people and then people misunderstand it. And I talk about collaboration and then they say, oh, well, I'm doing this and it's collaborative. And I'm like, that's not really collaboration. That's something else. And so I think maybe I got, you know, annoyed into writing the book. Um, <laughs> and also I'm very motivated by just helping people. I think it's very hard um, to get ahead in business. I am very well acquainted with the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship. And my heart is always with business owners trying to make an impact and trying to get traction on their ideas and sell their products and services. And also for organizations just to make the meaningful changes that they're trying to do. So it kind of comes a little bit out of my hashtag always be helping mentality as well. Always fascinating to see. And it's a stark difference from the majority of stuff that you see when you're online. And that's why it always grabs my attention. So what prompted you to specifically write about collaboration? Well, as I mentioned, it's really hard to get traction on things. And I have to say the, the biggest point is that going it alone takes a long time. And you and I are both very well acquainted with how much of a slow burn organic content is. And we are mm -hmm. big believers <laughs> in uh, content marketing for quality lead generation, but that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And that's one of the main reasons why we developed the source system was to put structure to it and help businesses understand that it's a process. 
and not an overnight fix. Yeah, it's a process that, you know, really has to be done in the right order in order to have success. Mm -hmm. um, and it also is a process that builds a platform. And I, I like to think of that visually, like our source system, it is not the end all be all of the final lead generation and the business success piece. No, 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 no. Our SOAR system is the platform that we build for companies from them to stand on, from which to say what they want to say, do what they want to do, and really reap the benefits from that. But it's not the thing itself. We're the foundational structure that gets them where they need to be. And I think that's something that is kind of sometimes unsexy. It's like I talk to a lot of people about, you know, how I go to someone's housewarming party. If you invite me, I will bring a kitchen fire extinguisher as a gift because nobody, when they buy a new house or get into a new rental, wants to spend money on a kitchen fire extinguisher. It's very unsexy, but to me, it's very foundational. It's very important. It's key. You're really going to want this in a bind. <laughs> and that's kind of how I look at the source system. Sometimes people don't want to pay for that unsexy, you know, platform because they want the lead generation that's at the very top of them. It's the result of it. You know, that's why I think for me, so much in business that is really right can be a slow burn. So people look to tactics to try and speed it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's very hard because it's just so noisy out there. And so this idea of collaboration is something that I have seen over all of my years of experience in marketing that is something that can help people speed some of these things up up and get their market strategy working much quicker and be much more efficient. And it sets the stage for a better future growth because a lot of those, if you had a flash in a pan momentary success and you didn't have anything to back it up, pretty much hosed. Right. Because how are you going to replicate that? Yeah. <laughs> you know. But let me tell you a little bit about what this looks like in real life for me. Um, I'm talking to, you know, business owners all the time and competition is really fierce out there in the digital world. Mm -hmm. It is an incredibly noisy market. And there's something that I call Google thumbs, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> um, no matter how high you are up at a big firm, if you need something, whether it's a $50 spend, or honestly, it's a potentially $50,000 spend. You know what we all do? We pull out these thumbs and we search Google. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And there's no amount of emphasizing that for people to really underscore the need for really solid platform building when it comes to digital content marketing strategy for lead generation. But like I said, that's a slow burn and it's painful for people. Add to that, the world is fragmented, but also the marketplace is fragmented. Just take a look at like social media. You know, you have some mm -hmm. people who have closed down their Facebook accounts and they're just, you know, completely turned away from meta. Or some mm -hmm. people who are died in the wool Twitter fans are now will never go on there again, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and people's preferences, you know, run all the way down from subreddit and good Lord, help us all on TikTok, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but the market is so fragmented. So when a company um, or an organization has a particular goal they want to achieve, they're not only saying, oh my gosh, everybody has Google thumbs and they're running to online, um, you know, and then secondly, it's like, but where are they running online? It's so fragmented. If I were to spend any money, where would I put it? I mean, there's a million places, you know, to put it yeah. and it, it's very difficult. Too many options. Speaking of fragmentation, it goes all the way across the board. Uh, you remember we 
we were talking with Zach from Civic Science about uh, political factions that were impacting revenue for companies during the pandemic. And they had the early prediction that Lowe's was going to bounce back faster than Home Depot based not on any structural thing, but based on their market's political preferences. That is such a great reminder. Yes, these are just political preferences um, that are affecting brands in a major way. So, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's, you know, if you were just to say, oh, should we go to market on Facebook? Should we do this on Google? Should we run this commercial? Well, you would have to know so much more about your client. You need to get so much closer to your consumer to understand their particular political leanings to be able to change your message, you know, to, to resonate with them. Yeah. It was the prediction that Lowe's was going to bounce back faster because their customers were predominantly more Republican and Home Depot's main client base was predominantly more Democratic. And the preferences based on COVID restrictions were that the, the more Republican leaning party was inclined to get back out and start shopping earlier, whereas the Democrats were a bit more cautious and holding out for longer. So that prediction came true. Right. And that kind of uh, fragmentation over the socio and political, you know, reason is just one of so many. And here's the thing that we know out in business. Competition is fierce. It, this is just yeah. common knowledge. We just know this. What is uncommon knowledge, in my opinion, is that there really is a different way to compete. And honestly, if you're not collaborating, <laughs> I, you are already being left behind and you just basically haven't got the memo yet. And if you're, if you think about it just for a minute, you think collaboration, you know, companies aren't collaborating. You know, you've seen this for a lot of years. You've seen mashups between great brands, you know, um, you know, you, you know, go all the way back to, you know, McDonald's. They're always mashing up and doing collaborations with Disney and with, with things like that. That's really the, the basics and the simple things of it. People know one plus one equals three. People know that in branding and in marketing. But what, we need to do is take that next step. It's not one plus one equals three. It's one plus one plus one plus one plus one equals 200, right? There is yeah. a, a, a framework in which you can have much bigger wins if you really understand collaboration, not just a two-person mashup, <laughs> you know, or two-brand type of mashup. And so this book is really more about a mindset shift that I invite everybody to, to say, wait a minute, when I'm competing, when I'm fiercely competing, which in our particular, especially our American society, feels largely like an individualistic effort that I should be making. Mm -hmm. And brands are out there going it alone. I call it like the white snake effect, you know, here I go again. Um, you know, so we can, <laughs> we can insert white snake right here. Right? <laughs> um, but I invite people to this mindset shift to say, even in the places where you think you should be individually competing, have you thought about collaboration? That's, yeah, that's powerful. So what to you then is collaboration? Well, I'll actually turn that around on you a little bit, Leighton. And I think what? it's more... <laughs> hey, how do you like being this host now, huh? <laughs> Um, but I, I like to really spin it around and say, 
it's more helpful for me to really tell people what is not collaboration because Mm -hmm. collaboration has really gotten a really bad rap. And I think that it goes back to fifth grade for most of us. (laughs) In fact, I was reminded of this because my, uh, my son, when he was in uh, fifth grade Sawyer, he had a science project and we've all been burned like this. So just close your eyes for a minute and maybe sit down because you're going to have to stand the pain, but we've all been in this kind of quote unquote collaboration, you know, problem where the teacher you know, for whatever reason, they've been told this is good to get kids to collaborate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And all it is doing is putting some kids together so that one kid (laughs) can do all the work and the rest of them can take the credit. And whether you did that in fifth grade and right now you're kind of twitching and want to get in a, you know, fetal (laughs) position because I said it, or this happened to you last week at your company, (laughs) this is what is happening as a phenomenon in our society is that people are calling collaboration when really it's either, you know, group projects and, and you know it, whether you serve on a board or I, I don't know what horrible experience you've had, but it's basically, you look at the four people there, they've all been assigned. First of all, they're, they, they didn't say, Hey, individually, we would love to collaborate. Like it was not their decision. It was forced collaboration, which in my opinion is not collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not forced. Number one, you can't have parties doing it that are not there for the specific reason. And secondly, you can't have it be this inequitable situation where the people involved do not have a stake in the game. And so this book for me really is about providing a framework so that people can get it right. And we can walk away from calling this other crap, which is not collaboration, just quit calling that collaboration. And let's actually really define what collaboration is. Are you looking for more joy in your life? Do you want to improve your well-being, increase your sense of belonging, create more impact, or simply have more fun? If you said yes to any of those questions, then check out the Year of Joy online community. It really could be for you. It's a place where you can find inspiring stories and practical advice from experts to empower you to build a more joyful life. It's a place where you can connect and share with like-minded people who are also looking to lead a more joy-filled life. Sound awesome? It's actually totally free. It's being funded by generous companies who understand the importance of giving people the gift of joy, something that is just so needed in today's world. So if you're ready in 2023 to make it a year of joy for you and your loved ones, If you're ready to find your tribe that helps you live your purpose, if you're ready for more fun, sign up for the Year of Joy at theartandscienceofjoy.com slash year hyphen of hyphen joy. The doors open to more joy on the 17th of January. So sign up now and be ready to receive that gift of joy. Learn more about the Year of Joy at theartandscienceofjoy.com slash year hyphen of hyphen joy. Or follow the Art and Science of Joy on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever you do, choose joy today. Welcome back. So Priscilla, do you have any examples of the frameworks you're talking about? One that I really like is this idea of, you know, when you look at who is participating, you must, and I uh, underscore must, have each person who is participating have something to lose 
and something to gain. If you go back to the fifth grade, for example, if you have four people there and one of them is a C or D student, they really have nothing to lose with coming into this group and just not doing anything right? They're like, great, this is going to be a better grade than I ever had, (laughs) no matter what it is. (laughs) So they have nothing to lose, but they do have a lot to gain, right? Yeah. But then you have the kid who, you know, is smart or just disciplined or just, you know, just a kind of a regular good person, you know, good Mm -hmm. student, good, you know, very supported student, however you want to look at it. And they have something to lose because basically everybody's going to pull this down and now they're going to have to pull four people's weight or whatever the case is. So they have a lot to lose, but they don't really stand to gain anything. Mm-hmm. because they were going to get an A on their own. And in fact, now they may get a B, yeah. <laughs> you know, so they don't really have something to gain. And that's one of the frameworks that tells me right there, that is not true collaboration. So I think just even that one little mindset shift is really important. But I think the other one, which I'll point out, and then you have to buy the book to know all the rest of them. But the (laughs) other one I like to point out is that you also have to have everybody at the table, no matter what this table looks like, how many people, how many, we, we go into a lot of other things about collaboration, but you need to have zero subterfuge at that table. And what I mean by that is that you cannot be withholding information. You need to have people at the table who are in full disclosure mode about not everything, because you could even have competitors there and we're not giving away trade secrets. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But you do need to have full disclosure on some things. And that is, what is their motivation for being here? What do they stand to win? And what do they stand to lose? Right. That's, those need to be very clear. And what their goals are in between that. Yes, there's one big win or whatever, but here's some goals along the way. And also you need clarity and zero subterfuge about, well, if you're here, what sacrifices are you willing to make to get us there? And so that to me is a huge framework. It's like, first of all, everybody has to have something to lose and something to gain. And then secondly, they have to be able to really articulate that and be open about it. And I would say that for any kind of collaboration, whether you're on a board, whether you're on a team within a company trying to work, or whether you're a fifth grader trying to do a science project. Absolutely. Yes. We're both big readers. I think you probably read more than I do, but let's say, let's say we're both big readers. One of the things, though, that I remember one of the first discussions that we had, we were talking about books and you said that you hated business books. <laughs> and that was that was a generalization, I'm sure. But just as a rule of thumb, I think we started talking about who moved my cheese first. And we, we got onto that topic and you were like, you know, I actually I hate business books. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, let's talk about who moved my cheese for just one second. It's actually, you know, <laughs> is it, it's a classic and also it's appropriately small. It's a small idea with a very powerful impact. And so it's a nice small book. I love it. It is short, but it's really easy to impart how powerful that message is. Like, listen, Mm -hmm. change is inevitable. And when someone moves your cheese, which they will, you know, just, you know, here are the things, the frameworks that you can do to put in place and be like, okay, I'm okay. I'm a mouse. I'm going to go find my cheese. You know, so it's something. I'm just a little mouse. So it's really helpful. And that's one of the things I do like about that book. But, you know, to me, business books in general, typically write 300, 400 pages when they could have told it to me in eight pages and it makes me mad. Yes. And so I'm like, for the sake of writing all that, really, you're going to, you, you know, couldn't you distill this down? And it's kind of like Mark Twain supposedly said, I did not have time to write you a short letter. So I wrote you a long one instead. And I'm kind of like, Love that. I know, 
right can you do the work for me? Yeah. You and I write blogs every day of our lives. I mean, our entire lives are writing. And mm-hmm. we know how powerfully hard it is to write something short. And early in my career, I was impacted by the book Rework. And it was mm-hmm. from the founders of Basecamp. And it was really built and written on the premise that, look, ain't nobody got time for that. Let me tell you what I'm really trying to say. And I'm going to make these into very small ideas, give you a powerful example and walk away and let you implement it because their, their point was we've got to change the way we work. And here are a couple ways you can rework work. And yeah, nice. I loved it. And so when I when I decided to write collaboration as a new competition, I decided to make sure that it was very snackable, if that's a good word for it, um, very applicable. Mm-hmm. And it was it's a tactical book. I'm not trying to write a manifesto about business, and you know, and I'm certainly not writing a memoir. But I am trying to give people quick little viewpoints that help them change their mindset about how they're looking at problems. Because I really think that wicked challenges that we face, sometimes we just keep approaching them with the same solutions and we are never going to get there. And until we just stop trying to attack it, step back and say, you know what, what if I looked at this differently? Mm -hmm. And that I think is what changes businesses and helps businesses get on a completely different you know, trajectory toward winning. It sounds like you've got both the mindset shift and a little bit of tips in there, which is kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, you're right. It's not a scholarly work, but it is my opinion. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. also my informed opinion from talking with a lot of businesses and seeing a lot of businesses succeed and also, you know, seeing what doesn't work. Um, A lot of those failures have really powered my understanding of efficiency in getting traction. And so, yeah, I do end the book with some really helpful tactics that I call anchors. And I call them anchors, not just because I love sailing, but (laughs) anchors because, you know, when you're kind of adrift out there in the world of business and trying to succeed, you know, sometimes you just are like, oh my gosh, this challenge is just too big and I don't know what to do. And sometimes while the purpose of a boat, you know, is to sail and go adventure, Mm -hmm. sometimes you do need to be anchored in order to fix problems and say, okay, how can I ground myself right now to say, if I could see this differently, could I... I fix it. And it's like, you don't want to be, you know, fixing an engine problem in the open seas. (laughs) That's what business feels like in general. (laughs) (laughs) Thread this needle during the worst storm of the century. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so those anchors um, are there to say, hey, maybe this would ground you when things may be going wrong. Can you give me an example of one of them? Well, one of the chapters that is really this tactical ending to the book that is an anchor is what I refer to as itchy backs. When people say, well, I- I'm all in, I'd love to collaborate you know, with people. Who's out there mm-hmm. to collaborate? And then they go find a couple people because they happen to know them. And they're like, oh, I like you. So I'll you know, collaborate with you. Again, I refer to the first section of what is not collaboration, <laughs> palling <laughs> around with your friends. That's not necessarily collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like to do is is think about, you know, people in my life and other businesses and think of when I have a problem, I kind of think of that, like I have an itchy back, like I can't quite scratch it. It's like, Oh, I got this issue. I got to go deal with this. Right. Mm -hmm. That's me scratching my back. But if I could just shift this for a minute and have an anchor that could remind me now, wait a minute, my back is itching, but who else in my world has an itchy back right now? I like the concept because it oftentimes lets 
unstructured conversations lead you to interesting collaborations. So let me give you an example. (laughs) I was in Chicago recently and I went into a store I had never been in before. And I thought, oh, interesting. I'll go check this store out. Enjoyed it, bought something, went to the checkout. And, you know, I was interested in the brand because I had never experienced it before. They wrapped my stuff up, put it in a bag. And I walked out of the store and thought, what a beautiful bag. I thought, that's interesting. This must be their branding. And I looked a little closer at the bag and it actually had their brand, Arteza. And the beautiful painting that was on this bag said at the bottom that it was done by this artist and they were supporting this artist uh-huh. on their bag. And I thought, oh my gosh, itchy backs. Nice. <laughs> so you have an artist out there who, what do they need? A more visible canvas of their work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's an itchy back for an artist, right? Like they always want to show their work into a bigger audience, right? Yeah. So how could someone do that? Well, you wouldn't normally mash up a artist, you know, with a chain, you know, clothing store. <laughs> that's right. not a typical collaboration, but what a powerful collaboration because you know what stores need? Their bags to look good. <laughs> yeah, they need art. <laughs> yeah, they need art. And also they need to stand out in from their competition. Like we didn't just slap our logo on here. You know, that's also something that's a little bit old and overdone. Instead, they wanted to appeal to a consumer desire to support something either communally or artistic or whatever they insert, you know, the, the reasoning. And it's a much deeper win by collaborating. Normally a a company would have looked at that problem and said, uh, we need bags. We need artwork, get a graphic designer, get it done. We like Mm -hmm. that because that's good work for us. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of collaboration, that was a time that it brought about such a deeper win for this brand. I enjoyed that experience. And so I think that's a deeper win. Now, if you think about itchy backs, I think it's a really good anchor too, because it's not just about this was the brand winning and the artist winning. Now I could say maybe thirdly as a consumer, I won because I enjoyed that moment. But yeah. when you think about itchy backs, there's also a really great opportunity to say, yeah, but let's not just get two people in a room who have itchy backs. Are there related itches here? <laughs> and can I find yeah. people who two minutes ago, we seemed like our problems were completely non-related. But if you mm-hmm. really get clear about what is really you know, itching their back, you could put more people and you could have a win, 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 win. And I give some examples of that in the book as well. But again, for the rest of it, you got to buy my book. That's right. I will say, Leighton, you are an amazing collaborator and it's been Mm -hmm. what, seven years that we've been collaborating. It's been a beautiful thing. So um, you also have had a, you know, a big impact in not only my writing style, but also, you know, just pushing me to put this idea out there and and helping me really, you know, understand the importance of, of really communicating it well so that other people can have these wins. Thank you. That means a lot, actually. Um, We cannot wait for the release of the book. We're all very excited about it. Uh, and it's a, it's a stay tuned situation. There will be information that is available. We promise we're a marketing agency. You will know, you will know when it's out. Uh, thank you for your time, Priscilla. And thanks for the information. We're, we're very excited from all the peeps here at little bird marketing. We hope you have a great day and happy marketing.
podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>